Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Chris and Amy Show, sponsored by St. Louis Cardinals Baseball. Cardinal tickets are on sale now and start at $55. Details at cardinals.com slash holiday. Okay, three, two, one, hit it. It's the Chris and Amy Show. You know who it is. Also, if you didn't know, this is called the show. Now, Amy Marks Coors, Chris Ranji on KMOX. Problem? So I, I have these cocoa almonds, and I didn't get breakfast, but I kind of ate, like, junk yesterday. And so, you know, your stomach feels yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just ate too many nuts. <laughs> I feel so sick. What is wrong with you? Oh, you're just, man. You're, you're shouting. You're talking about wanting to throw up. <laughs> man. I did. I ate too many almonds. Ugh. You okay? You know what? Do you, you is... want to wait a half hour and start over? I don't think you're supposed to do... You want to you yeah. start the show at 10.30? Or an hour, because isn't it like swimming? You're not supposed to do radio? I think it's like 25 like minutes. Like within an hour of eating? Well, no, that's not true. Have you ever seen people in radio eat? Have I? Oh, my God. Anyway, it's Monday, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that you feel better than I do. 314-436-7900 oh, to visit with us. Tell us if, if your tummy hurts. Uh, <laughs> no, don't call us to tell us if your stomach hurts. We know it does. 314-436-7900. Calls or texts. Voicemails at uh, 314-944-1120. We want to hear from you on social media. Also, um, whatever you follow us on, the handle is the same, at KMOX. Time now for the top of the order. The top three stories everybody will be talking about. It is a precarious position for funding for Ukraine in their effort to drive out Russia. Um, In Congress, they are asking for money. The White House wants them to move forward with it, but there is a snag. We will discuss that with Krista Knapp coming up here on the show. And today, the Supreme Court will hear arguments in that very highly charged case regarding the Sackler family who controlled OxyContin, uh, Purdue Pharma, and whether or not they will be shielded from future opioid lawsuits. And in Nashville, Tennessee, the winter meetings for Major League Baseball are underway for the next several days. We have Matt Pauley on site. We've got Mike Claiborne on site. We're the only station in the entire area that is covering the winter meetings because we want to know what the Cardinals are going to do. And if they do pull off something, we will have that for you here on the show. I mean, if you thought our reaction to the Lance Lynn news was big. Bro. Bro. Can you imagine if they make some bigger moves? Well, listen, this is... um, The winter meetings are not what they used to be. Mm -hmm. Decades ago, a lot of stuff would get done. Now it's kind of... You know, it can happen during the winter meetings. You can have some small things happen during these meetings, or maybe they'll happen before or a lot of times after. It's not the way it used to be because it was the time 
where all the teams gathered in one central location and it was mm-hmm. easy to pull off deals. But now with the way communication is, it's a, it's a whole lot different. But they've already been busy. They have acquired three pitchers over the course of two weeks. Lance Lynn, as you mentioned, Kyle Gibson, and Sonny Gray. All of them have been um, free agency acquisitions, which means they have not given up any prospects yet or major league talent to help bolster a pitching staff, which I think a lot of us still feel is not quite where it needs to be mm-hmm. if they're going to be competitive. So the good news for us is Matt Pauley will join us at 1230. And of course, if anything breaks, if there does happen to be some news between now and 1230, Matt will check in with us. Mike Claiborne is also there. So uh, there, there is one place you need to be um, if there is Cardinals breaking news and it is here on KMOX. Um, How's yes. your uh, holiday season going so far, it's, Ron? It's perfect. Yeah, I've visited every mall in the area so far. Have you? Yeah. Okay. I I went all the way out to St. Peter's the other day. No kidding. And I don't cross rivers. You know how I am. Man, this guy hates rivers. I love rivers. I just don't like crossing them. They're too far. You grew it's up in Granite City. I know. You had to cross the river to get here. Yeah, to go visit Grandma. Yeah. And, and that's a lot of rivers. Yeah, it is. You know, you you have the one, then you have the... Well, the, the levee, you'd have to cross that one, yeah. wh- whatever it is, the, the lock and dam, that one. What are you talking about? On 270. Okay. Because there are two ways to get to Grandma's house. Mm-hmm. You go 270, mm-hmm. you cross the Mississippi, and you cross the um, the canal. Well, I forget, I don't know, whatever they call it. Listen, we're going to be talking about some um, meaty topics, some cerebral topics today. We've got the Purdue Pharma case, funding for Ukraine. Yeah. Um, but we also want to hear how your holiday season is going. Yeah. Are you, how are you shopping? Have you gotten a lot of your shopping done? Did you get a lot of it done? Do you need to get it done? I also want to encourage everyone, if you like Christmas lights, do you like Christmas lights? <laughs> <laughs> Me? Yeah. You know I do. I know you do. So if you are ever at, um, there's this intersection at Clayton Road and I think Woods Mill, kind of where there's like a Rich and Charlie's right there by that Whole oh, Foods yeah. in town and yeah. country, uh, there is a weed that's growing in one of the medians. Someone put Christmas lights on it. That's really adorable. I think so. <laughs> so if you want to see some good Christmas lights or decorated, I don't think they're lights. They're just, uh, it's decorated like tinsel, maybe an ornament. It's all, it's a weed. It's a big weed. You know, um, how long ago was it we were decorating the uh, derelict car outside of Catalyst Coffee downtown? It was almost exactly... Was it during Christmas season or did we do it after? It was after because we took some decorations from this office. Oh, that's true. We did. And put them on the car. I actually had the star. I had a star that I bought for the car, but they moved the car before we could put the star on it. I just got rid of that star yesterday. What we're saying, but what we're, we're not saying it, but we're saying it, Amy. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll agree with this. If you find a derelict anything, mm-hmm. a car, yeah. a home... Feel free to decorate. I think. But well, not not well, paint it. Don't paint it. Don't do anything permanent. But if you want to put up lights, go ahead. I don't endorse this. I feel like someone could get, well, it's St. Louis. So you get shot. You could get shot because someone may think that you're trespassing on their property. What Maybe if, it's not derelict. Well, that's okay. That's a good point. So don't yeah. go up to a property, but, you know, yeah. maybe a car. Also, Parked on the street if it's been there for months. I mean, speaking of dereliction, man, oh, man, does Oof. market look beautiful. There's City Hall, then there's the building that's, like, basically connected to City Hall. They share the same parking lot, and uh, it's on market. And the market-facing side, it looked like a looked like several dozen dumpsters exploded 
all over it. It's so it's filled with trash. It's where there was the tent, the little tent city on City Hall. And then they cleaned that up, fenced it off for restoration. Okay, And so the very next yard, the yard in front of the building in front of it, which I assume is another city hall type building, uh, it now has the tents in front of it. And I don't know if someone just threw trash all over the entire property, but right in the main artery, Market Street of the downtown St. Louis area, it is what a disaster. When I drove by, there was somebody cleaning up and I don't know if it's like a, a Clearly, it was a city worker. They were doing some cleaning there. But I think the the overall point rests, and it, it is that you can't in, – in what is supposed to be a – this isn't the front doorstep. That part isn't, but it's kind of the heart of the city. You can't have that. It's like you can't, the, it, and it's not. I'm not even talking about the homelessness. Mm-hmm. That is a much, much bigger problem. There has to be a place for people to go, a safe place for people to live. That is a completely separate thing. What I do know is that you just can't have garbage everywhere. I don't know if they had a party. I don't know. Maybe it was a holiday party. I don't think so. No, it's just, it's just people have been, I, I think, because living it, there. They have been, and it looks trashy every day, and there are tents there every day, and some of them are kind of moved around. Sometimes there are more tents. Sometimes there are fewer tents. But this morning, and maybe because they didn't clean up over the weekend, I'm telling you the entire property looked yeah, it was bad. like a dumpster. It, it. I feel embarrassed. I'm glad I didn't have a guest in the car. Like, oh, here we're taking a guest to KMOX. I mean, we are. We have some guests in studio today. They're probably used to downtown St. Louis. But if you were an outsider, and I drove down our most beautiful thoroughfare through downtown Market Street with the arch on, you know, the east end of Market Street. You have City Park heading west, and all of these landmarks, Union Station, and this is what it looks like. Somehow the city continues to fail the most basic duties of a city. Yeah, I think the problem with it, well, there are multiple, but one of the biggest ones is it just feels like negligence. Yeah, nobody cares. I don't know what the correct word is, but it just, it feels like we're just letting it go. We're we're just, okay, well, nothing we can do about it. So what? Our city's falling apart. Let's just... That's how Forget it feels it. with our city. Um, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to name any names or anything. But I also know that there are people who live in the city, and they see advertisements for St. Louis Public Schools. I think the St. Louis Public Schools might advertise here. Uh, there's some issues with that, and like just even the most basic signing up for schools. Where how how can a whole system mess up? Where you have you have Dozens and dozens and dozens of family who families who live here have been victims of an error in a system, and now they're trying to fix that. It's it's just if you live in the city, it's the simplest things that you take for granted, like being able to sign up for school or getting your trash picked up or having a pothole filled that isn't getting done. And I can't tell if it's because leaders don't care or they're incompetent or maybe a, a bit of both. But it's when every aspect of municipal functions seem to be failing, you have to start pointing fingers. And I don't want to sit here. I I really, honest to God, I hate it. I hate that we spend any amount of time talking about the problems in the city. And I don't even necessarily mean um, uh, larger fundamental problems. I just mean little stuff, which like this 
seems little. Okay, there's trash that can be cleaned up. But that's the point is that the smaller stuff doesn't even really get done. Right. And I think it 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 makes us look worse than we are because there's a lot of really great stuff about St. Louis, but it gets buried underneath the trash. Well, and here's the thing. And you- that's that's the problem is that you if it, it's cosmetic. But if you're coming in from somewhere else, I can't tell you how much of a big deal that is if people are visiting from, you know, Louisville or Cincinnati and they go right by City Hall and they see that, they say, wow, this city sucks. Right. And the thing is, it's not even it goes beyond optics and tourists because we keep talking about how do we get people here? How do we get people here? We need to focus also on the fact that St. Louis is hemorrhaging residents because I am talking to people, friends who live in the city of St. Louis, who are fiercely loyal and passionate about this city, who put up with gunshots every morning. I did. I I asked my friend who lives in Lafayette Square and I said, oh, it's so beautiful here. I love all these townhomes and Lafayette Park is gorgeous. Uh, you know, how is the crime? Well, you know, cars get broken into, but you kind of get used to it. And we love the city. She goes, I lay in bed at night. She goes, and I would say once to twice a week, we hear a lot of gunshots. She's like, it's funny because usually it's eight to 12. Like you hear bum, 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 bum. And she goes, and then you, you re, you hear the sound again in your head and you count and you go, whoa, that was a big one. She goes, a couple nights ago, it was 12 gunshots. Sometimes it's three or four. And so these are people who are dismissing what a a lot of people would consider uh, huge red flags or a non-negotiable going, nope, I'm not going to live where I hear gunshots every night. These are people who are who are bought in into the city of St. Louis and what it has to offer and the history and the restaurants and the businesses and the parks. You're driving them out when you don't do simple things like pick up the trash or fix the potholes so their cars don't get uh, aren't not just broken into, but broken by uh, driving over the, these terrible roads every day. It's the simple things. Answer 911. If you can't do that, you are going to drive away people who are fiercely dedicated to this city. Because I'm seeing it. These people love this yeah, city. Yeah, and, and the, the gunshots thing and the gun crimes, that sort of stuff, there are all kinds of reasons for that. Uh, and one of them is something we people just don't like to talk about, the uh, the reality that they are so readily available they're so easy to get that's part of a problem whether or not you want to admit it it just is a problem but the other thing is what you're talking about with the simple stuff yes it just has to get done get it done like the i think the other thing is a bigger problem that's a bigger problem that that is a requires much more in-depth solutions than we're willing to really uh dive into but i think the reality is you have to do the small stuff you have to clean up garbage, fix freaking potholes. We talked yeah. about it last week with Glover. Talked about it when, you know, you come off 70. And that's oh. one of the, if you're coming east on 70 to get into downtown, you're coming up this road, that road on Tucker is brutal. And if that's your introduction to St. Louis downtown, mm-hmm. you're thinking, wow, this is not great. And that's what I mean. So, Don't do it just even for the tourists. Do it for the people who live here and love this city and are willing to put up with their cars getting broken into or stolen or gunshots. They're saying, that's how much I love this city. All we do is we need more people here. We'll fight the crime. We'll fight poverty. Well, you're, you're going to drive them away if they can't even get their trash picked up. 314-436-7900. It's Chris and Amy on KMOX. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Chris and Amy on KMOX. Do we know, Amy, if I have not seen anything written about it, but there was supposed to be another meeting on Saturday. This was, it was written about uh, probably two weeks ago that there was supposed to be another meeting on December 2nd to get input from city residents about what to do with the Rams money. Mm-hmm. And I, it was supposed to be Saturday. I have not seen anything about it. Have you seen anything about it? So did they cancel it? Did they not have it? What if this is at least the second meeting that they were supposed to hold? I think it might have been upwards of three or four. But one of the texters uh, to the text line three one four four three six seventy nine hundred. Why don't they spend some of the Rams' money on streets and help the homeless? I imagine they are going to. Um, It's a lot of cash, so that has to be a priority because it's one of our biggest issues. But did they not hold a meeting? I. I, and, and how many meetings yeah. are we going to hold? I let's. Because <laughs> you don't I need understand. a meeting to say, let's fill the potholes and right. pick up trash. Right. Now, I do appreciate that finally the money, and it has been for several months now, to my understanding, in interest-bearing accounts. So it is growing, which is good. That's what you want to do while you're trying to figure it out. But let's figure it out. Let's do something. You know, let's get mm-hmm. a, how about a head start? A head start would be nice. Yeah. It, and it, something simple like cleaning things and fixing streets, you know, you would think would be a priority. We have much, much bigger issues than that. A lot of cities do around the country, but that's a thing that's got to be handled and should be handled pretty, pretty easily. Yeah. No, I. it's incredibly frustrating because everyone in St. Louis talks about the people who like the city. I've lived here my whole life. I'm proud of St. Louis. I love St. Louis. I I have lived here. I'm not one of those people who, I got to get out of here. There's so many benefits to living in this area. I love the Midwest, of course, but also there's no, there's really no traffic. All the traffic is, is our fault. I think it's because there is no traffic. We drive like maniacs. It's affordable. It, it, Right now, having a place to live where you can afford food, uh, activities, a home, an apartment, whatever it may be, relatively speaking, this is a great place to raise a family. You have things like Forest Park. You have the Cardinals. You have the Blues. You have you have St. Louis City SC. And yet, I feel like you just keep getting gut-punched with incompetence. The city could be great. We're holding ourselves back. Ukraine funding is in the news as it has been for several weeks. It is in danger of not happening. Um, They need funding. We will talk to Krister Knapp, professor of history at Wash U, next about what happens if they don't get that funding in their war against Russia. That's coming up on KMOX. Chris and Amy on KMOX. Good to have you along for the ride today. We were talking just briefly, uh, mentioned it at the top of the show, about funding for Ukraine, which has been in jeopardy really for, I would say, the last several months as a lot of the support for Ukraine has started to wane, primarily in the Republican Party in the House anyway, um, to discuss what would happen or what could be the result of 
not funding them in their effort to drive out Russia. We go to the Quiver River Electric guest line this morning, and we visit with Krister Knapp, professor of history and national security at Washington University. You've heard him here on the show before. Krister and Dr. Knapp, it's good to talk to you. How are you? Uh, doing great. How are you today? We are doing okay. The White House had uh, sent a letter to Congress wanting them to act on Ukraine, knowing that uh, the funding is basically run dry. What would happen if we stop giving them the support in the in terms of uh, money or in terms of weapons or whatever the case may be? Well, I mean, I think going forward, it would be a much it would be a very difficult process for Ukraine to continue um, fighting their war. But it's important to pause here a little bit and back up and realize that the funding has actually not run out and has not and is not actually going to run out immediately. And so a little bit of elaboration, I think, is necessary here because I think the the carts, uh, the horses before the cart here, so, or the carts before the horse. So first of all, you, U.S. foreign aid and funding is very Byzantine, but it's important to realize that funding is always done several years out. And so the initial package that the Congress approved uh, called the Ukraine Security Assistance Initiative allocated, allocated, didn't actually yet spend, but allocated $113 billion since the war started in February 22. So $62 billion went to the Department of Defense, but they've only spent about 40 to $45 billion of that so far. Um, the other parts, 32, went to USAID, and the rest went to the State Department for, you know, economic and humanitarian aid and things like that. So there's actually still some money, in fact, a fair amount of money that's still existing, that still exists in the the budget that was allocated, and that's already allocated. There's nothing that Congress can do to sort of take that money back. So there's still some billions of dollars to spend. So that's, that's one source, but there's actually another source of funding, too, that the president has that he can use in emergencies, and this is what's known as the Presidential Drawdown Authority, not to get too wonky on you guys, but of the Foreign Assistance Act from 1961. And essentially that gives the president a small pot of money that he can use, not so much in terms of sending direct dollars, but mainly sending existing military hardware from the shelves to Ukraine. And they have probably over $6 billion in value left of, of weapons that they could send. There's also been an accounting error uh, to the U.S.'s favor in the, def- the def- uh, Defense Department, the Pentagon's budget, and there's about $5.6 billion left there. So when you add up all of the money from the initial allocation, the rounding error in the accounting, and the presidential drawdown authority, there's actually still multiple billions of dollars available and weapons to be sent. So there isn't an emergency now. Um, And so we're not quite at the point yet where we're ready to still project outward that Ukraine won't be able to fight this war, although we do need to start thinking about what will happen if Congress doesn't fund things. But for now, I would say they could go as late as the fiscal year 2024-2025, which would be starting next July, and probably even into the November elections, at which point we would probably have a very different political situation on our hands domestically. So why then would the director of the White House Office of Management and Budget, Shalanda Young, why would she say, quote, we are out of money and nearly out of time, and that the U.S. will, quote, will run out of resources to support Ukraine by the end of the year if Congress doesn't approve additional emergency funds. 
Right, because what they're talking about is approving budgets for the following year. They actually have so they're 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 the, it's a bit of a miscue here, right? They're really talking about what the spending is going to be in the coming years, not what really is now. Um, and they're saying that to put political pressure on Congress to move now, because these things take a long time to move through the committees and the budgetary process. Uh, to get final approval and then actually for the money to be allocated and then the weapons to be shipped. And that can be weeks or if not months at a time. So they're starting ringing the alarm bells now because they know that um, if they don't, uh, then six months, a year down the road, that's when the true alarm is going to go off. Visiting with Krister Knapp, who is a professor of history and national security at Washington University. And um, in response to that White House letter to Mike Johnson, Speaker Johnson responded to it, saying that the Biden administration has failed to substantively address any of the conference's legitimate concerns about the lack of a clear strategy in Ukraine. This is my personal read on it. You could tell me I'm wrong. But it, it almost seems to me like they're not going to be satisfied with anything that they are told. They just they just don't support it. Is there an issue of the the White House and the administration not being precisely clear on where the money is going? Because we know a lot of it is to arms. So what is the situation there? And am I wrong on that? No, I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I think there's two large issues here. There's a question about security and the national policy that we have for providing aid and um, defense for Ukraine to fight its war against Russia. And then there's a question about the domestic politics. And there are other issues at play there. So on the on the first issue, um, I do think the Biden administration needs to be clearer and be able to, to explain to the American people, to the Congress, uh, exactly what the, the strategy is going to be going forward in light of the fact of the failed spring and summer offensive, which did not deliver the, the desired results. There's been virtually no movement uh, on the line. We, everyone has now admitted, both Russian generals, Ukrainian generals, and U.S. defense officials have admitted that we are essentially in a stalemate. And so I think it's a legitimate question for Congress and the American people to ask and to expect the Biden administration to provide an answer for what is the strategy going forward if we're going to approve yet a new package, however many months and years down the road it will be, to continue sending aid for Ukraine. I think that that strategy can be provided, but I think they have to do a better job at explaining it. But of course, there's also the domestic politics issue at stake here. Part of it is, in, part of it, yeah, some Republicans are just, no, no matter what you say, they're just not going to give the aid. But part of it has to do with um, not whether, but how much. And then also it's tied to other issues. So almost all of these bills, including the, re- the recent one that the president sent to Congress for over $100 billion, only about $68 billion would go to Ukraine. Uh, a bunch of that was going to go to Israel, and some of that was going to go for China, and some of it was going to go for border security, including funds to continue paying to build the wall, which I think has surprised many people that the Biden administration is actually continuing to build the wall along parts of the southern border. And I think part of what uh, the um, extreme elements in the Republican Party want is more funds for the wall. Um, when you talk about Ukraine Israel and the wall and funding going there. Uh, I guess I understand what that would, how those funds would be used in a very broad sense. When you said China, what what are the funds doing when you say that some of the funds were for China? 
So they haven't been specific on what that would be. Other, But at the general level, the U.S. considers China to be our biggest, most long-term so-called pacing threat. And so, of course, as you know, Amy, we've been shifting a lot of funds and capabilities, weapons, diplomatic uh, strengths, all sorts of things to to the to the Asia Pacific in an effort to uh, for our strategic competition, as the Biden administration calls it, with China. And so, I think any additional aid that they can get proved in any bill uh, is going to help them in their long-term uh, competition with China. And so, funding is. You know, we think, okay, we hear Ukraine and we think funding, we put a dollar amount on it, and then we think the Ukrainians get that money in weapons. But that's not what happens. The money is often attached to other bills or there are other things that are attached to the bills for, the, for, the, for Ukraine, and you have to sort of follow where that money goes. And it becomes a, a political argument about each senator or congressman or woman wanting to get their little part tacked onto it. And so, so sometimes an administration, in this case the Biden administration, has to sort of swallow hard on certain things if they, if they want their aid. And I, I think that's part of what's going on here. What in, If you had to um, guess what's going to end up happening here over the next several months, what direction do you think we'll take in terms of increasing the funding there? Well, as I said, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't expect any change on the domestic front in terms of immediate support for Ukraine unless the Biden administration agrees to some sort of political compromise with the Republicans for something the Republicans want. And he asked for a smaller, more incremental amount. So there's been a number of $24 billion being floated around rather than the initial $106 billion. Um, and so that's another way to do is kind of sneak it in through, uh, through other bills. Um, I, but as I said, there, there is still plenty of money and weapons um, that, to be sent to Ukraine that will last for the next year. But that will then exhaust the, 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 the um, funding sources. Uh, so, you know, again, we're safe for the short term here for those that support uh, the U.S. effort in Ukraine. Um, there isn't as much of an emergency as they're saying, but they're saying that emergency because they're playing political hardball yeah. to force the Republicans. Yeah, that, That's what it sounds like, that they're getting a head start on it because they know it's going to become a real fight down the road. Um, Krister Knapp, we appreciate the information as always. Thank you for visiting with us today. Thanks for having me on. Krister Knapp, professor of history and national security at Washington University here in St. Louis. And by the way, we were talking about that Rams settlement money meeting. Well, um, our favorite, one of our favorite <laughs> alderwomen, uh, Shamim Clark Hubbard, was listening and she said, We did have the meeting and she's going to talk about it with us at 11 o'clock. So she will join us and, and give us her input and what they did discuss at the meeting on Saturday. That's Amy Marks Cores. I'm Chris Ranji. Did you see this? Is next on KMOX. Ranj, I don't know if you uh, saw what happened at the uh, classic state football championship game, CBC versus Liberty North. Heard there was a thing. There was a thing. Is it a big so, thing? So pretty big. Liberty North beat CBC 38 to 7. I think CBC scored first and then Liberty North scored 38 unanswered. Oof. And it was pretty physical, a little uh, sketchy, dirty at times. People said the refs <laughs> allowed the game to get out of hand. Anyway, the game ended. They called the game with three minutes and 15 seconds left. The refs walked off the field. Apparently, the coach of CBC had asked that they just call the game. 
when there were only a few minutes left uh, be in order to just make sure that nobody got hurt because it was getting dirty. Things were out of hand. It was getting very physical. The hits, uh, post-whistle action, all of that. So, yeah, they just called the game with three minutes and 15 seconds left because of bad behavior. Jeez, man. It's weird. It is. We were listening to the CBC broadcast after the fact. Once I saw videos on Twitter from the state championship football game, uh, all of the pushing, the shoving, the hits, the refs walking off the field, we went back and listened to some of the broadcast. And yeah, it was crazy. They just called the game and walked off the field. That is wild, man. No, what a way for no it to handshake, end. I can tell you that. Well, but. Yeah, the CBC head coach, Scott Pingle, just told media he requested the game be called. This was after the game. Um, he didn't want any more dangerous plays taking place. Odd. Not great. It's no, not it's a not great good. look. No, that's, it's that's not bad. a great look. Amy, did you see, and I know that you had heard about uh, Derek Chauvin, the uh, police officer who killed George Floyd, who was in prison. You saw that a couple of weeks ago he was stabbed yeah. something like 22, 24, 26 times. Yeah. Um, he survived. But the person who did it, 52-year-old John Terzak, I assume is how it's pronounced, apparently was an FBI informant at one point. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, this was a planned. Yeah. I read some of the assailant's statements after the fact, and basically he had been wanting to do this. He did this on Black Friday, Black Friday because of the Black Lives Matters movement and wanted to show support for that against uh, Derek Chauvin. Yeah, the symbolic of uh, Black Lives Matter movement with the black hand symbol associated with the Mexican Mafia Criminal Organization. Huh. I know Black, a very weird thing. Yeah, Black Friday doesn't really have anything to do with that. I didn't think so? <laughs> Uh, Older woman Shamim Clark Hubbard will join us next. We'll talk about what happened at the meeting, the Rams settlement money meeting. She joins us after this on KMOX. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.